0: Sarah, what is the latest in awkward non-monogamy news from your corner? How's this week been?
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked. Uh, Yeah, so just last night, I was meeting a colleague for drinks, and then I was going to meet my girlfriend afterward at the same restaurant. So I knew that there was going to be an introduction of the two of them, and my colleague knows that I'm non-monogamous, but this was the first time that they were meeting, or my colleague was meeting a partner of mine. So, because I like to overthink things, uh, I was like, you know, be careful. Don't, like, introduce your girlfriend as your friend. It's a mistake I've made in the past. Maybe that'll be an episode (laughs) coming up. (laughs) Um, And people don't like that. Uh, And so I was like, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm going to do this right. I'm going to make sure that I introduce her as my girlfriend. And I was getting really pumped up for that. And so when she showed up, I didn't just stop at, here she is, my girlfriend right? I was like, and we've been dating for 18 months, and we met online, and here are some of our favorite things to do together, and we love to roast chickens and watch uh, Criterion movies. And it was so (laughs) so ridiculous. It was like, wow. And they were both just looking at me like, "Uh uh-huh. And I could see my girlfriend was like, all right, Sarah, calm down, calm down. (laughs) And then Uh, my colleague was like, yeah, and I'm Joan. Nice to meet you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Introductions are hard. I know that is like the thing that I like stress about the most when people are like meeting people that I'm dating and just like, am I starting a whole, a whole ass conversation? Um, and I think most of the time people don't really care. Or you're just like planting some intrigue for Ooh. future discussion.
1: I mean, to but, be fair, probably if people aren't already aware that you're non-monogamous and then you just like hit them with the this is my girlfriend they would probably care they would notice right you got to do a little bit of you have to do a little bit of prepping with folks first
0: Mm, you think so like you should tell them ahead of time that you're going to be meeting a person who you're romantically involved with and that's important for you to know that also i'm non-monogamous and it's been about you know a couple years and Alex and I just, like, really decided that it was, like, a good thing for our relationship that we wanted to explore. Um, right. So, pandemic, this is exactly and, right.
1: This is how I do my intros. Yeah. Yes. As as yeah. I just demonstrated. <laughs>
0: just, yeah, just keep going. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure what the answer is here, but that does sound awkward. Um, oh, it was awkward. And I, and I, and I, I immediately,
1: think, in my, in, like, you know, my um, classic retreat, I was just like, and I have to go to the bathroom. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs>
0: Yeah, can I just say I hate it when you do that? I know. Everybody it's so hates that. Cruel. And then they're just like, "So, yeah, I'm sure the follow-ups were like, uh, so what, criteria not my most charming quality. Like it's not. Mm-mm. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah. Welcome to Mistakes Were Made, a podcast about non-monogamy for anyone in a relationship. Um, I'm Alex Stonehill here with my wife, Sarah Studeville, we're a Hi. non-monogamous couple, uh, and uh, we also have t- uh, on with us Jessica Partnow, who is our longtime friend, our producer, our housemate, um, and she's actually just downstairs. I'm upstairs <laughs> representing the bedroom.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'm over here in the, what, what do you call this, the room that is the kitchen, living room, and dining room? hmm <laughs> There's a portmanteau there. I'll figure yeah. it out. <laughs>
2: and I'm downstairs running the recording um, and I'm the one that's always interrupting and making you guys talk about sex parties just always going to bring
0: it back to sex parties
1: yeah even though we've literally never been to one it's (laughs) all all she wants to talk about
0: (laughs) yeah I feel like this is Jessica's contribution to the questions about questions segment or like the questions people always ask it's She just wants to know about the sex party. That's what she just always pictures as a a sex party. Uh, I mean, when she's like,
1: "How was the sex party last night, guys?" and we were like, "We
0: were at Costco." When you asked
2: me to help (laughs) with this podcast, I was promised sex parties. So
0: (laughs) we'll get there, Jessica. We'll get there with your with your help. Um, (laughs) We'll be ready soon. Um, Yeah. So today we're going to be talking about uh, other people's feelings and casual dating and um some mistakes that we've made around that um breakup texts uh but first um sarah you wanted to talk a little bit about um uh just kind of like where we're coming from and 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 lay that out a little bit i said you know we're we're a married couple we're in a primary partnership um what else
1: Yeah, who the hell are we? Yeah, Who the
0: hell do we think we are? Who do we think we we are? are? It's a great question. I'm not really sure. It is a great question.
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, I've been thinking about this as we're headed into our third episode, just like really being struck by how we are not experts in non-monogamy, clearly, because this is a podcast that is called Mistakes Were Made, about Mm -hmm. all the ways we're not experts, Um, But I wanted to just clarify that we're really speaking specifically from our own experience, which is very centered around having been a monogamous couple for a very long time and opening up recently. So there are tons of ways to practice non-monogamy and polyamory and other form, non-traditional forms of relationship organization. um, And Information shades of those things may show up here, uh, but it felt important to just acknowledge that, that this mm-hmm. is really, we spent most of our lives and our relationship really saturated in the idea of monogamy, um, and then we decided to really dramatically try something totally different pretty recently.
0: Yeah, so and the, the common thread between all of those different uh, th- ways of, of practicing non-monogamy I think are sex parties pretty much, like, <laughs> and then as long as you've got the sex parties going on, then... Uh, yeah. Then it counts, right? No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, there's sex
1: parties and there's us. That's
0: (laughs) it. So you're going
1: to have to go somewhere else for your sex parties (laughs) podcast.
0: (laughs) Um, If I can, I agree with all you said. It is is definitely driven driven by, built on our own experience. We don't even have that much experience um, as compared to many other people. There's uh, a lot. We have a lot to learn from other people and are really trying to, you know, share, vulnerably share the, the lessons that we've learned and the mistakes that we've made. Um, but I do want to build you up for just a quick second because you are <laughs> a therapist and you do see a lot of other couples mm-hmm. experimenting with or, you know, in long term or new non-monogamous relationships, um, mm-hmm. so you have a lot to draw in there, and a lot of uh, expertise, obviously, on in the therapeutic context on um, mental health and how relationships impact us. Um, and I, on the other hand, am just lucky enough to be married to you. Just <laughs> he's just, just
1: eye candy just on a, a podcast.
0: <laughs> I'm just one man. Just and, one
1: man. Um, uh, yeah, actually, and, and I. Th-
0: Mm-hmm. Sorry, I did want to uh, acknowledge that piece, too, is that, like, often um, I'm I'm tempted to, like, kind of try to represent the, like, cis male perspective um, because it's, like, I've, like, just grappled a lot with, like, kind of owning that identity and not just being like, well, I'm shitty because that's who I am or, you know, um, and and I do think there's room for men to be more... Uh, in touch with what's going on with them and more vulnerable. And that's, you know, a thing that I struggle with a ton. Um, But I also will sometimes say, like, men do this or, like, talk about, like, the male perspective. And that's obviously, like, also a very narrow representation, reflection of my own experience and, you know, the experience of being male in a very specific context of being a cis white male.
1: Right. And it's pretty binary. And so, like, being sure that we're kind of checking that and acknowledging it as we go feels super important. Um, and this will come up a fair amount in this episode because we start talking about assumptions around dating, relationships, monogamy, and sex that are really informed, I think, by pretty like, strict norms around mm-hmm. like, white, middle class, cis, hetero, monogamy. Um, yeah. And so there's a lot of that showing up, those assumptions showing up in today's episode. Um, and that's just another thing worth saying that we're coming to this with a lot of privilege Too, as, you know, white, middle-class, cis people, um, the the privilege of being able to be open about being non-monogamous is really significant uh, and really something worth mentioning here as well. Um, And I want to make sure... I think there's also a way in which... And there's, like, future episodes to explore this, too. um, But, like, white people... (laughs) white people, um, as we're like in this trend uh, where we see non-monogamy on the rise, we see more people exploring it. There is this way that like white people kind of co-opt everything. And they're like, I just, we are like, I discovered mm-hmm. non-monogamy. And there's a lot of queer BIPOC people who are like, uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you know, we've been here and doing that for ever. So glad you discovered it and you're making a podcast about it. White lady. Um
0: yeah. so
1: there's just you know, some of that to be folded in here as well and acknowledge as
0: well. Yeah, and that's like I feel like that's always a challenge with, with things like that is um you you don't wanna just yeah, act like just Columbus your way into non monogamy or um, you know, or, or some of the like like the 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 way that queer people have paved for us to be able to, you know, do things like non traditionally and, you know, mm-hmm. what we're doing is is it's not as hard um as as compared to you know all of the the pushback and things that people have had to fight through, um but also it's good to talk about it, right like right. we can't we can't just leave it to to other people to like keep doing that pushing and be the only ones who who talk about these kinds right. of things
1: right. so there's a way of using your privilege to push these conversations into the mainstream a little bit more um, and some of these ideas while being aware of that sort of um that co-option piece or that just like assumed expert piece that I think uh, white people can so often show up with uh, and straight people.
0: And through. this has been Sarah and Alex's caveats and disclaimers hour. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Hope you. That was episode three. Bye everybody. <laughs> just kidding. Um, okay. Today uh, we want to talk about, Casual dating, and um, you have a story from early on in our non-monogamy journey, if I can call it that. Uh, If you want, I'll never call it that again. Um, And uh, (laughs) a mistake that you, you, it sounds like you only really recently realized was one that you had made sort of in retrospect. Um, Can you set the scene?
1: Let me set the scene. Yeah, uh, all the way back in... The hot, smoky, tumultuous summer of 2020, uh, where a lot of the action of uh, my, oh, God, I'm going to say it now, too, non-monogamy journey began. Um, I, The first person I ever slept with outside, in, uh, outside of our marriage, <laughs> uh, the first person I slept with as a non-monogamous person, um, yeah, so he was great. we were having a lot of fun uh we it it was covid so we spent a lot of time drinking in parks (laughs) Uh,
0: (laughs) really the best thing about covid was the park drinking yeah.
1: (laughs) yeah and it's like you know you would start by drinking coffee in parks and then you would maybe graduate to drinking alcohol in parks and then you'd be like hey maybe we like each other enough to take some covid tests and Bring this alcohol inside to your place. Um, <laughs> and that's what happened with him and I. Uh,
2: uh-huh.
1: We graduated to that, started sleeping together. Um, we were seeing each other probably like once every week and a half, every two weeks, somewhere around there. Uh, and I'm struggling to remember how long we saw each other for.
0: I think it was like a few two months. months maybe? Yeah, two or three months, probably. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That, that sounds about right. Um, and. It was a pretty great time. We like had a lot in common. Uh, I think, like, sarcastic sense of humor, uh, good natured depression.
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we're gonna come back to that later. But yeah, please carry on. (laughs) Um,
1: uh, You know, and uh, and a shared love of takeout Korean food. um, Or actually, I think he helped me kind of develop my love for that. Anyway, you you learned
0: something. uh, We had a good time.
1: Yeah, Uh, but I will admit at the time, you know, it was sort of tossed out by him and a lot of other people that I was meeting online, uh, that they were just dating casually. Uh, That was like the term that was used. And so I was like, yeah, me too. I'm dating casually, Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, But I don't know that I really examined what that meant. Um, I think I was just kind of like that, maybe lazily assumed, like, that means that nothing we're doing matters, (laughs) right mm-hmm. like we're just dating casually um and so when for me i wanted to end the like the sexual part of our relationship uh i was like you know we're dating casually he doesn't care i'm gonna end it and that'll be no big deal and mm-hmm. that will be an interesting couple months that we spent together and moving right along
0: and how so did that's you the how did you end it sarah
1: Okay, well before I admit oh, that sorry. to you, <laughs> I want to tell you how I realized that
0: uh This was a mistake. That what maybe. I
1: how I had ended it was a mistake. Yeah. Right? So getting centering back to the mistakes. <laughs> m- mistakes were I my.
0: like that our listeners' minds are spinning to like, did she murder him? <laughs> or <laughs> What is the worst way to end a relationship?
1: Right. Uh, We were just drinking around the lake, and then one day I pushed him in the lake. (laughs) You know, casual dating. Yeah. You know, nobody cares what happens.
0: It's like like something (laughs) would happen in euphoria or something like that. So you blackmailed him to never talk to you again, because otherwise you're going to go to the feds. Yeah. Okay.
1: No, everybody. No, it wasn't that bad.
0: Okay. Sorry. Explain how you knew. Yeah, and then,
1: yeah, I was out with one of my partners, and she was talking about how
0: <laughs> were you at uh, the, this... the, con- the the at the honky tonk <laughs> with your partner? Okay, okay sorry. to be I'll fair, stop my to music. be
1: fair, this is actually a partner who really loves country music. Yeah, so okay. maybe yeah. when I'm talking about her, yeah. I'll just like signal okay. that I am by slipping into was, a weird honky tonk. It was, a, yeah. it,
0: but it's your partner, not your partner. because that my partner, partner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yes, my partner. So we're out. She's telling me about how a guy she's been dating uh, dumped her over text. And she's like, look, I mean, we'd been going out for like two months. And we'd been seeing each other like once a week, once every two weeks. We've been sleeping together. He He just like ended it with a text. Can you believe that? And I was like, no. Oh, my God. What an asshole. Who would do such a thing as that?
0: Oh, <laughs> dun, dun, dun. Dun,
1: dun, dun. that's what I did in my first uh, sexual relationship in non-monogamy was I ended it with a text. And I really, in that moment, listening to someone reflect how that made them feel to me, I was like, that was shitty. That was a shitty way to end having Slept with someone for two months um, and had a really nice connection with them. Uh, and he was very gracious about it. Uh, I could tell at the time that his feelings were a little hurt, but I don't know that I like was paying close attention to mm. all mm-hmm. of the context or potential reasons for that. And again, I was just over here like, we're casually dating. yeah, Nothing matters, right? And then suddenly, fast forward, 18 months. And I'm like, oh, casually dating doesn't mean that people have no feelings.
0: Yeah. Do you? And I mean, it seems like probably you had feelings too, right? Um, Were you do you think that you just misunderstood the nature of the relationship in general? Or it was more important to him than it was to you? Or tell me about like, because it wasn't my impression that you just didn't give a shit about him or about the relationship. It was more like you felt like, uh, that was the, that was an okay way to, to do things for some other reason.
1: Oh, well, that's interesting. It was yeah. definitely not that I didn't care. Um, I think that at that kind of like two ish month mark, this being the first relationship I'd had, um, since we'd opened up, I was just feeling kind of like generally thrust and unsure about what it meant and how I felt about it. Um, And just like how I felt about doing this in general. Mm -hmm. Um, And I just like really needed, and I don't know, uh, clearly I didn't have the language for this at the time, but I just like needed to step back a little bit and be like, what am I doing? What is happening here? Um, What does it mean to be casually dating someone for in this like regular way for a couple of months? do i want to date more people am i actually capable of casual dating which we maybe have concluded sometime later that not not really yeah (laughs) and i think i was kind of aware of that at the time too that i was like i'm gonna like definitely catch feelings if i keep dating and sleeping with someone for an extended period of time and i didn't know what i thought or felt about that either
0: yeah, and I didn't mean to sound like I was raking over the coals a minute ago. It's it's I think I did some of the same thing especially early on and there's so much like uh again for the, for those same reasons that it's sort of like referential to yourself like I'm doing this new thing. I'm like stepping outside of, you know, this my my monogamous relationship that I've had for a really long time and like so much of your experiences and your feelings and like your capacity and like, you know, how you're coming to those relationships and or how you're leaving them is like really driven by uh what's going on with you not what's going on with the other person which is not an excuse that's kind of fundamentally insensitive insensitive but um you know there were there were definitely relationships where i was like oh i think we need to take a break with people and like that was much more about things that were going on between you and i or just like how you know we were feeling about it together and i was definitely like prioritizing that and then kind of just like you know rolling over these other people's feelings or not really being like, it's not really fair in some cases. Um,
1: Especially if you're not able to kind of connect to that and, and communicate it to people. I mean, mm. we can't control all of the different complex dynamics that are happening in relationships and multiple relationships. Um, but I think like, as you were talking, I was just realizing that there might be a way in which casual dating is like a misnomer. We don't really yeah. know what that means when someone says that they're casually dating. Uh, unless we talk about what that means to people. And then I think we also have to be um, open to the idea that that might change over the course of a relationship too. So just like throwing that in there as
0: well. Yeah, well, and and I think this speaks to our naivete, not as, um, is that how you pronounce that? Um. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. Very French. Um, <laughs> thank you. Uh, not as, um, you know, just as people who are newly non-monogamous, but also just people who were kind of dating for the first time in some ways, like, uh, you know, we had been together for a really long time and like, you know, I just like, didn't really, I was mostly, mostly like looking to like sort of cultural references or popular culture or, you know, online conversations as my way of understanding like how people date it. Cause I hadn't been doing it for like literally two decades. Um, and if you look at those things, then yeah, casual, casual sex or casual dating is a thing that's kind of, that shows up a lot, but then, you know, maybe sometimes people say that, but more often than not, like when I first got on Tinder, I was like, oh, here's the cliches about Tinder. It's just like this hookup app, and then 90% of the people you see on there are like, I'm not just looking for a one night stand. Like, it's for the most part, people say exactly the opposite. Like, that's not what they want, right?
1: Right, and then it's, it can be really confusing because there's like all these monogamy assumptions baked into the terms that we use too and the way we think about like dating, um, the, the concept that like you're casually dating until some, you find someone you want to not casually date anymore mm-hmm. and yeah. then you're on the monogamy escalator, right? Um, or this idea that like having relationships with people where it is based on having sex or just getting to, not just, but like getting together to have sex is somehow like an unsavory type of relationship to have. It doesn't really count. You know, like there's all of this stuff kind of swirling around in there um, that goes unexamined.
0: Yeah. Let's keep talking about that. Um, but first of all, so you, you just referenced the monogamy escalator, um, which I don't know if is a, is, is a common term out in the world um, or even common to non-monogamous people Uh, it's not a physical escalator uh just just to be clear i always picture in fact uh, a
1: literal physical escalator it's in kent just uh (laughs) and it just goes up to the
0: sky it goes up like five floors and then it just drops you off into the the suburbs and Mm -hmm. that's where you you are a giant
1: foam pit labeled the suburbs
0: Uh. um no but what you mean by that is just the idea that uh when you're there's a sort of assumption that when you're in a relationship, um, you know, in our culture and society, uh, it's always kind of there's always a next thing. Right. So you date somebody and then you, uh, you know, you decide date somebody casually with them. Casual. You decide it's not casual. You decide it's exclusive. You move in. Uh, you think about getting married, you have kids, maybe I missed, like, a camping trip or two in there. And again, um, with,
1: like, some of these, like, white middle-class assumptions about, like, what your life might look like, yes. Yeah.
0: Okay, fair, yes, the camping trip. Uh, um, you
1: buy a house for 2.5 million dollars. Yeah. <laughs> right.
0: Yes. You get some lunches after your Amazon jobs. You buy a house for $2.5 million. You cash out your stock options. Yeah. No. Um, So, yeah. And I think, I guess we call that the monogamy escalator. We've started calling it that because it's, you, you start to realize when you start thinking about other kinds of relationships. And I'm sure that there are lots of people who are not on that path, but that is the path that gets like kind of reinforced over and over again in culture Mainstream and just like culture. the feeling yeah. this is what you have to do this is what you do um, and um, this
1: is like the right healthy kind of relationship to have if you're yeah. having a successful relationship this is what it looks like these are the benchmarks this is how long it takes to get from one to another
0: yeah so can I nerd out on some uh, some movies and TV and storytelling things real quick here about that Yes, because um, I was thinking about this and then I was thinking about movies uh, that that sort of, like, deal with the disruption of that. Um, and uh, I don't know... If you were around in 2011, you might remember that there was what that weird thing happened where, you know, they make the same movie. Like, there's two different versions, two different movies that are basically the same movie that come out at the same time. And I think it's, like, just... Like, there was two Volcano movies that came out in 2004 or something like that. And you're just like, why is there Dante's Peak and Volcano or whatever? Like, whose idea was that? Um, so, the, in 2011, there was uh, two movies, um, one called No Strings Attached, which oh, I think yeah. had Ashton Kutcher and um, Natalie Portman, and another Ooh, one called Friends with That is, like, the Benefit. most
1: 2011 couple ever. Yes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then Crazy... The other one, Friends with Benefits, had Justin Timberlake and Mila Kunis, and then it's like oh. Mila Kunis dated Ashton Kutcher on that '70s show. Oh, so like, so what, they were actually you know, like in weird. a
1: polycule in real life,
0: but in two different movies, like <laughs> meta. You know uh, what is that? If the the multiverse. It's like a multiverse rom-com polycule. Um, And then there was another movie in 2015. So the premise of those movies, first of all, was like these are people who are like friends. A guy and a girl, they're friends. And then they're like, what if we just like had sex too? And we just add sex to our friendship. So it's like uh, they're friend with benefits kind of relationships. Um, And then there was another movie that kind of flips it called Sleeping With Other People uh, before... Jason Sudeikis was the beloved, sensitive American <laughs> soccer coach, Ted Lasso. He was a total fucking cad, just like
2: Ooh. breaking
0: hearts all over Boston or wherever this rom-com was set. And then the, Alice and Bree. They're always um, in Boston. Yeah. So
1: many rom-coms in Boston.
0: It's very romantic. Um, anyway, the premise of that movie is that they're just Never like been. having lots of meaningless sex. And then they decide to not have sex with each other. They, like, reconnect after 10 years of, of having dated. Um, I think they were, like, they're each other's firsts. And then they're like, let's not have sex so that we can truly be close. Um, so in both of these cases, they're kind of just, like, playing with the idea of, like, the, the intersection between sex and feelings. And, you know, can they be separate? And then, of course, because it's Hollywood. The end of all they three of those movies is <laughs> that they combine all of those things together and realize, like, no, we have to have feelings if we're having sex, or we have to have sex if we have if feelings. Um, and we
1: need to get on that escalator. Right.
0: Yeah. And then they, yeah, they ride the escalator. Um, but it's so, I, which is like not to like shit on them because and look I great think doing we, it. we just, because they're great films. I recommend <laughs> watching all of them back to back to back tonight. Um, uh, but just, I mean, this is just like what we do. As like we we tell stories that reinforce our our cultural norms or whatever, and it it just like it feels good, right? Uh, for that for for things to end that way, but it does like kind of fuck up your head if that's all you've ever seen. Yeah.
1: Stop yeah. Me. Okay. Yeah, I'm <laughs> stopping you right there because I absolutely agree and recognize that those are the those are the cultural stories that get told the most about like love, romance, commitment, relationships, and sex, right? I feel like I would be misrepresenting myself, though, if I were to say or imply on this podcast that that's what my dating history looked like, Mm. Um, because that would be giving me more credit than I actually deserve for having a dating history. Um, And this circles back to this first relationship that I was in after we opened up. You and I got together when I was 23 years old, right? So I don't know. Our listeners whatever age demographics you might be, Um, maybe some of you are 23, but put yourself back in, you know, my shoes at 23. The kind of dating that I had done looked like, well, you go to parties, you drink at those parties, you hook up with people at those parties. And then some of those people you keep hooking up with, and then maybe you hang out during the day. And then eventually one of them is Alex. And That guy becomes your husband forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. So that was my my dating. Sounds like a win to me. I don't
0: know.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, that's to say that I was like a forty-year-old in name only when it came to dating for the first time. As we were opening up, I had very little personal experience to draw on, and so I was just. kind of a mess uh, and had no idea what the expectations were or, like, how you show care to people or how you communicate about those things or what are the different types of relationships that, like, adults have with each other um, that maybe are non-traditional. You know, obviously, I'd been exposed to that through my friends, but personally, just did not have a lot of experience. Although, come on, Sarah, it was definitely a cultural meme that you should not break up with people by text. I I don't know that I can... uh, (laughs) let myself off the hook there but you know
0: yeah i didn't even well that everybody i feel like everybody's done it though yeah oh yeah that's good you didn't understand what the <laughs> i think carrier pigeon would have been okay but
1: right text, yeah. yeah i yeah. could have chipped it into a stone tablet yeah. and, have,
0: <laughs> and left it on bullet, his lawn over. that would have been right <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> even more terrifying than the murder uh that we talked about earlier um yeah, but so, yeah, we were definitely, like, doing a lot of, like, just, just playing out all of the things that we hadn't played out before. I also remember us talking a lot about, like, how, you know, I'd only had, yeah, a handful of relationships prior to ours as well, um, or, like, romantic relationships. Um, and I found myself being like, oh, this is really reminding me of that relationship I had in 2001 <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and so I was sort of, like, playing out those archetypes. Or like being like, oh, I have a dynamic with this person that is like that dynamic that I had with this other person. And, you know, just from having so little experience, I think that probably dictated kind of the way that I behaved. And I was just like doing a lot of like self-discovery. Um, but doing self-discovery on uh, other yes. people really <laughs> kind of sucks, right? I don't know if you either of you have ever been self-discovered on. I guess you don't really know when that's happening, but it's like a very one-sided thing.
1: Yeah, I think we've probably all had some version of that experience of realizing that you're getting a lot of stuff projected on you, um, or maybe someone's working some stuff out, uh, and you're not totally fully seen or present to them. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that you know that's a pretty relatable experience. And I, I also just want to say that like from a therapeutic perspective, this is like a a kind of mm, it's like a not uncommon theme that comes up. Uh, This idea of a second adolescence or like a kind of identity development that happens at a non-traditional stage of life. So that's a fancy way of saying like, if you got married really young and then you open up your relationship or maybe that relationship ends and you're suddenly like back in a world where you're dating, there's a lot of identity development that has to happen pretty quickly that maybe didn't happen at the more typical time for your demographic or generation, you know, whereas Mm -hmm. a lot of my friends were working out some of their identity around sex and dating and relationships and, you know, how they got into them, how they ended them, that sort of stuff in their twenties. I wasn't. And so I was kind of going back in time and, uh, revisiting some of that and learning those lessons sometimes in pretty inelegant ways, uh, at 40. And this comes up a fair amount. And this also applies to my own experience for folks who are queer and come out later in life. There can be an element of this as well. So I identify as bisexual and queer. I always have privately, but because I was married so young, it wasn't something that I had to to talk about publicly or identify as publicly. And there's like some dual privilege um, and oppression happening there that I had the privilege of not having to come out. But then also there's that kind of like oppressive feeling that my bisexuality wasn't seen anyway, to come out more publicly at 40 there was, and I think in some ways I'm still experiencing a little bit of that second adolescence where, whereas In a different version of my life, I might have been developing my queer identity in my 20s and into my 30s. Now that's something that I'm doing at 42, right? Um, So I just say that to say that this isn't like pretty and it's not flattering stuff, but it is something that is like commonly experienced and shows up a lot for people um, who just like maybe don't follow the developmental path exactly the same way as everybody else.
0: Yeah. And I, and I think that can even just apply to like, you know, it sounds like you're, you're talking about like that. Um, what, what's new is like who you're in relationships with or who you're having sex with and like their gender and stuff like that. But I think that can, can also just apply to sex in general. Like if you haven't been doing it out on the open market, if you will, um, then you kind of, uh, you know, you're just like, Learning a lot of things and like playing and ha- kind of having a second adolescence there, um, like, like how still yeah, and so like back. this
1: idea—it's complicated, right? <laughs> no, <laughs>
0: no. Okay, I don't even <laughs> know, know what that movie back. is about. You know what? Sorry. Actually, though. Ha- ha- how Stella
1: got her groove back is that's a movie to revisit. I, I wonder how that one has held up because I remember actually really liking that one in my 20s. Okay. We'll,
0: we'll watch it and report back, uh, next week. Okay, Um, great. Everybody will hold
1: their breaths. I'm sure.
2: Can you guys explain what is a polycule? Also, aren't Mila Kunis and, uh, Kutcher now married? In real life. I'm sure they're not.
0: They're not is still married. Not That's still important married? for us, too. I think they're I'm happily sure not. married.
2: I guess this is really my job as a producer is to Google I think this. they're it's just yeah.
0: friends with benefits, Jessica.
2: Yeah, they're
1: back to friends with benefits. It's come full circle.
0: <laughs> no, they were okay. in different movies. That's what's so I, crazy no, about it. I okay. saw both anyway. of
2: them on the apps last week. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm Googling they're not this dog. right now. Please, one of you guys, <laughs> explain what is a polycule.
1: <laughs> yeah, all right. A polycule. Okay. Um so, I guess my understanding of it is it's all the folks that are inside a relationship system, essentially. Right. So, are connected to each other through intimate relationships. So,
0: for int- instance, like your girlfriend uh, is, you know, you and me and your girlfriend are like part of the polycule. And then, like the people that I'm dating um, in relationships, they're also part of the polycule. And then, like, I guess in theory, the people that those people are dating
1: too. You can see how, like, one one polycule could truly come to cover yeah, the world. Right, <laughs> and yeah, and the non-monogamous
0: <laughs> utopia of right. our future will all just be one polycule, and then...
1: I think I saw an Onion headline, or maybe it was United. a Needling headline, about how, like, a Microsoft couple, it's revealed that their polycule has actually touched every life in the Pacific Northwest.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's all that means, and I don't... I guess people talk about that... I mean, it's definitely relevant from, like... STI safety, um, uh, perspective, just like kind of keeping track of like your exposures. Um, and what are some other reasons why polycules are, I mean, I'm always using it in a joking manner, which I'm sure is not the reason that it exists, but.
1: Well, I mean, I think it's also kind of related to some of the things we were talking about in this podcast. It's like the outline of a community of care.
0: Right. Theory, yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Right.
1: Even yeah. if there's not like direct relationships between all of the people, you're kind of like yeah, you're identifying a community of care of people whose lives all touch each other in some sort of important way or or in an intimate way.
0: Right. And you don't hate those people that your partners are dating, those other people that your partners are dating, but in Ideally, fact care for yes. them. Yeah. And that's like another it relates to what we're talking about today, right? Like it's not just an all or nothing, zero sum game with every single relationship you have. And then you move on to another one and then, you know, leave those other people in the dirt. Like you care about the other people in your, you know, who your partners are dating, You're metamors to use another technical term. Um, yeah, you care about them because somebody that you love cares about them.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like a, a definition of the term um, metamor just to like go back to that. That refers to the people, the partners of your partner. Those people are your metamore, right?
0: More like meta less, am I right? Oh. Okay, no. cut, cut that part. Cut that part. <laughs>
1: Alex, that's <laughs> it. I quit. I'm okay. out of here. This is a three episode podcast.
0: I'm good. Okay. It's like so many three episode podcasts before. No, we'll be back.
2: Um. <laughs> But just to circle back on Mila and Ashton. <laughs> happily married since 2015, guys. Expecting no. their second
0: 2015. child. 2015. Or maybe their
2: second child was recently born. Mm-hmm. Mm.
0: And those movies were in 2011. Yes. So, like, how did that play in? Oh, and then Ashton Kutcher was dating Demi Moore. He was married to Demi Moore
2: until 2013. Yeah.
0: Wow. So. So what about I want to come back to the if if we can like a little bit more about the the feelings the sex and feelings overlap part um do you feel like there's things that you have you have learned about that um about how your relationships can have have to have one or the other or have to have both um You know, it seems like there's just a lot of kind of like feelings of pressure, I guess to speak from my own experience. There's been times when I like met somebody, I'm thinking one time in particular, I went out with somebody, I had a pretty good time. We like made out a little bit. This was like on a first date. And then like the next day they were like, oh, I think I, I really liked hanging out with you, but I think we would be better off as friends. And like, that was just like, just felt like a a rejection to me, which I guess sometimes that is code Mm. for you know, I don't want to have a relationship with you. Um, but I guess that makes it hard to say that genuinely too. And maybe that's what you would have, would have or should have wanted to say to this person when you just broke it off with them. Cause, cause you described it as, I didn't feel like I wanted, wanted to be in a sexual relationship with them anymore. Um, but was there potentially more there or is that actually how you felt? I guess that's my question.
1: Yeah, well, that's, that's great stuff. I mean, that whole <laughs> I just want to yeah. be friends business, right? That really, you know, you want to talk about sort of like white, cis, hetero, monogamy, capitalist, bullshit, culture as norm. That idea that let's just be friends is rejection and often mm. like a rejection of the man is really like there is some rich stuff in oh, there. Oh, um, yeah. Right because and, and so this does map to my own experience and this this mistake that I made with this first person that I was dating and sleeping with um, is this idea that, first of all, friendship and to be like to decide to pursue friendship instead of a sexual relationship is some kind of a downgrade, some kind of a rejection, not something to be taken seriously or not something to be valued, um, I think is is a mistake. Um, And then the assumption that, like, because I had had sex with this person, because I didn't want to keep having sex with this person, uh, that was it. The Mm -hmm. switch of the relationship had been turned off. And all that other stuff that I mentioned earlier that we had in common about, like, politics and movies and takeout and, you know, all the fun things that we were doing together and the ways that we really did have, like, some good chemistry, well, that was just... That goes nowhere. That's done. That was only serving the purpose of having sex. And if the having sex isn't happening, then who cares, right? Did Did you just um,
0: assume that that was how he felt? And that and that's why I you did. just severed the relationship entirely. It's not because you felt that way necessarily. I did. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I think I did assume that that's the way. And I also just like didn't, this goes back to like me being kind of like a dummy um, and like uh, not really being like creative and still like, thinking in a pretty monogamous mindset it didn't even occur to me that we Mm -hmm. could continue to have a relationship, even though I didn't want to keep having a sexual relationship with him. Um, And I assumed that he felt that way because a lot of the kinds of stories that you've been referencing in the podcast today, reinforce that idea that like, you know, we're getting into like some binary stuff, but that Mm -hmm. like men don't want to be friends with women men only hang out with women because they want to have sex. And if I'm not, if that's not on the table, he won't have any, won't have, have anything to do with me. Yeah. Um, and, and I was obviously like making a lot of assumptions on his behalf there, but that was just like, so the air I was breathing that I didn't even think about it really.
0: Well, and I mean, to be fair, you probably had had that experience, right? You would probably use the yeah. I just want to be friends <laughs> lying on a man in the past. And it probably didn't go <laughs> well. Right. Like, it's yeah. not like it was j- just you're bad or just like culture telling you that. I think that um I'll spare you having to to dredge that up. <laughs> you can just say, yeah. Um but I think being, you know, from the from the other side of that in in a in a man-woman dynamic, it does feel like like that that relationship that I was just mentioning there were a lot of things that I liked about that person and like the sex part was like this le- this validation um that is that shouldn't be as meaningful as it is right um so i'm i'm not really trying to like make an excuse for that because i don't really understand it but i remember having that really visceral feeling of like oh this person doesn't like me in this way that's like really important and so i shouldn't you know it would be some kind of failure to like nurture my relationship with them. You know, even though there were a lot of things that, that we had, you know, mutual interest in and like a lot of, you know, they were like into music and like, uh, we're, we're like learning all sorts of interesting things about, uh, you know, just like they had a lot to say that I was interested in and had a life path that I was interested in and, and all this stuff. And I was just kind of like, Oh, they don't like, they don't want to sleep with me. So boo hoo. It's not a thing. Um.
1: This is where, again, I think like the the cis hetero monogamous framework is so it's so fragile and it's so rigid. Um, And one of the things that I've encountered certainly before I started more publicly identifying as queer and developing my identity as queer and more queer relationships is that in a lot of queer culture and communities that right there, what we've just described that like two people who have had sex with each other or who have considered it and then decided against it or their sexual relationship has ended would now not want to have anything to do with each other, Mm -hmm. right, is not the norm. You know, there are are like a lot of jokes about that, actually, that like if you go to a party with a ton of queer folks or lesbians in particular, um, that like it'll be entirely populated by people that have all dated each other. So mm-hmm. it's interesting to just like sort of throw that up as a very stark contrast yeah. to some of these these assumptions and cultural norms. Which
0: is great, right? Uh, it's like way better yeah. than, you know, the 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 other option being, well, I broke up with that person so they're dead to me and I will never mm-hmm. speak to them again and I will, you know, just harbor ill feelings towards them for the rest of my life and then I'll meet somebody else who is, you know, my everything is perfect and... Mm-hmm. Um, has totally Hi, replaced everything that person. Brought- well, I mean, in your case, it's true. <laughs> no, uh, it's not. But-, <laughs> <laughs> but for most people who are married to Sarah, um, no, and that's and and so to, to like, I guess, spin it to a more positive note. Like, it does feel like there's potential in non-monogamy to replace that, and I do feel that more now that I've kind of got my feet under me with dating people non-monogamously that. I am building actual relationships with them that, you know, can weather our relationship changing to being to being less intense or being non sexual or, you know, that it's it's a great ideal um, to to try to strive for. And like, if I imagined a party where there were a bunch of people who were people that I dated in the past and no longer was, like, that's pretty cool. I feel like the, I'm, I'm a cool guy in that scenario.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're like, let's revisit some of those 2011 movies. I've got a new premise and a new star for them. Uh, old cool guy, Alex Stonehill. <laughs>
0: old cool guy. That's <laughs> well, great. Well, I just, I do want to say that would make those would maybe make shitty movies because there's no yeah, conflict. Would, that would, right? We would have to have a fight, movie. right? Yeah, but yeah, we it won't. It would just make. be
1: like everybody's here, really appreciating each other and the complex like web of relationships that we've made together. Yay!
0: And the audience is like. Get boo. Yeah. Yeah. Cool.
1: Um, yeah, it's that movie's called Smugfest.
0: Yeah, uh, 2022. <laughs> it's it's 12 minutes long, and yeah. everybody walks out after three minutes.
1: Everyone hates it except for the people yeah. in the movie.
0: Yeah. Um.
1: Mm-hmm. So I I also just wanted to acknowledge this idea of like sex as currency instead of something that like people exchange and share with each other. And I know that sounds like kind of corny, but Mm. again, like getting back into the casual dating piece of this and like, what do we mean when we say that? And what about feelings? And what are you actually doing? Um, Just revisiting that idea that like sex is a part of a relationship that you might have with a person. And it's something that, you know, you, you might do together, but it doesn't have to be the definitive part of a relationship. And that's no shade on relationships where it is. Right. Because I know Mm -hmm. that those can exist really like happily and in a very satisfying and fulfilling and like mutual way. Um, But just like that, that acknowledgement, I guess uh, that it's a part of a relationship and, and, uh, and it has a way of just getting really overemphasized and making relationships more brittle and less flexible sometimes than, than they might naturally want to be.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's like so much to think about there that I don't even know where to, <laughs> where to go <laughs> yeah. with that. Um, yeah,
1: there is a lot. So, I mean, I guess centering this back on the mistake, right? Yeah. We framed it at the top as like a text breakup, breakup via text. Um, that's a shorthand for me just like being really, I think, shallow, in the way I was viewing this connection with somebody. Um, And this is like a bit of a tangent, but uh, we haven't talked about why I didn't want to keep having sex with Mm, him. And that's like not, you know, like some of that is not totally relevant or We kind of did,
0: but it's not like it just turned off one day.
1: No, it was that he ended up really like reminding me through no fault of his own of a past relationship that I had had as a younger person that was really troubled. Um, Mm. And I just wasn't really ready to kind of work my way through that, or I wasn't sure what to make of it. And again, in the framework of casual sex and relationships, I was like, this is not going to be casual for me, Uh or I don't know how, you know, like, I don't even know what that would mean, because this is really mapping onto a past relationship that was pretty intense and and felt unresolved. Um, So... I think that also speaks to some of the identity development stuff. You know, that idea that you kind of maybe go back and identify archetypes of your own relationship experiences and play some of those out in new relationships. Um, but I also yeah. am just, like, struck by you don't ever owe someone an explanation for why you want to end a intimate physical relationship, but just how, like, severing it was. I was just like, nope, this is confusing. Yeah. I don't know what to make of this. I don't know how I feel. I am texting this guy that we will no longer be seeing each other goodbye.
0: You know? Yeah. Well, you don't owe them an explanation, but maybe you owe them an audience. And, and Like, for them to be heard in response, which, like, people abuse that sometimes, right? And this is the, you know, some of the instances we were talking about the other day where it might be okay to do that if you feel like they're going to, like, manipulate you into maintaining their relationship. Something you don't want to do. Um, yeah. Something that you don't want to do. But, you know, definitely, like hearing I mean we were talking about it being like kinda kind of one sided relationship early on when you're learning on a person and like that sort of map to the communication of just like sending somebody a text and just being like, you know, this is a very like one sided uh very you're contained like, My delivery. learning here is
1: done or it's yeah. become too confusing, <laughs> so I'm out.
0: <laughs> Bye. yeah. Uh, That's
1: so fucking shitty.
0: And well oh. Yeah it's I don't it is. Um, but also, yeah, I'm, str- I'm, I'm like grappling with that question because I think of non-monogamy in general as kind of one of the great things about it is how much you get to explore who you are and like learn about yourself. Um, and so, you know, is there a way to do that? I, I think of that as a good thing and it's making you better in all of your relationships probably are like making you show up to, to them with more, self awareness and you know hopefully like more care and um you know more openness um but you know the process of doing if if you're doing that to people or sort of on people, then you know that doesn't sound very nice or like a good thing to be doing yeah. so I'm, I'm trying to figure out like is there a, yeah. is there a middle path yes I,
1: I think there's just a tension here honestly no. mm-hmm. um and this is where I'm like. Here comes the therapist who it's like, it's both things. It's all of it. Uh, I think, you know, you, you got to learn and you learn by making mistakes. Uh, and it wasn't like at the time I was like, well, here's the shitty thing I'm going to wake up and do today. Right? Like I did not have that. <laughs> I'm going to, mur-
0: I'm going to push this guy off a boat. push that
1: guy in a lake.
0: It, so it was <laughs> this premeditated. This really nice even. guy wow. who was like,
1: has showed me a great time. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so, you know, like, I, uh, I think, like, you have to have compassion for yourself in making mistakes like that, in not knowing better. And all we can really expect and hope from ourselves and others is that we take those moments and grow um, and, and uh, find a way to be more caring and more aware the next time around. I, I think of this, like, <laughs> uh, it's like what I call the parent's prayer please, Lord, just let me make new mistakes with these kids, not the same ones that were made with me. Mm. Uh, And I think maybe that's the best we can hope for here in our relationships too. It's like, please just let me make a new mistake next time. Let me learn as much as I can um, from these ones in my past or the one I made literally yesterday uh, when I was introducing my girlfriend to my colleague. Well. Uh, So, you know, I I think there's just, like, attention we have to hold there. And that, of course, like, maybe not of course, but ultimately the hope is that we can be more self-aware and more transparent and more caring, um, that we can talk more about what we mean when we're casually dating and how that might change, that we can let people have different needs than us um, and for that to be okay, and that we can let relationships change. And for that not just to be okay, but sometimes great. Which gets me to like the central mistake, which was I think I missed out on a really potentially awesome person to have in my life, like a, a potentially cool friend, um, in not being more like flexible, not being more creative, not being a little more aware and communicative. Um, hmm.
0: Yeah. Well, and who knows? Yeah. That might still be. Maybe you'll you'll have learned from that and do maybe it better next time, to or this maybe listen
1: podcast. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, again, why it's a good thing you didn't actually murder him, because there, it is still possible uh, that <laughs> it's
1: still possible. you could be
0: friends. Um, this is
1: a plot of, okay, so that's a plot of a whole other movie that we might want to, um, uh, that we might want to script out.
0: Does it have okay? like zombies? Is that what you're thinking? Or like, yeah, like the person, zombies. oh, like Pet cemetery, but for relationships. That would be sick. Um, Okay. Well, I I think we should leave it there because this is. (laughs) I need to go write this idea down. um, You've got to write this idea down and we have a
1: 545 dinner reservation because we are 40 and we need to be in bed by 10.
0: Yeah. (laughs) It's going to be so nice, though. Um, It's going to be lovely. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for listening to Mistakes Were Made. You can reach us at mistakescast at gmail.com. That's M I S T. A-K-E-S-C-A-S-T at gmail and on Instagram at MistakesCast. We'd love to hear about your experiences with non-monogamy and maybe even have you on the show. I think uh, down the road we'll start having guests as well. Um, And please do the things that they say at the end of all podcasts. Like and rate us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back soon.
1: Yeah, thanks everybody. Bye. Bye.